Back in the day, my dad used to be a captain when they would choose up the baseball teams at Butler Park over on Seneca Street. And when they got to the end of the guys that didn't play so well, they would say their outs don't count. Jimmy Griffin happened to be one of those outs don't count guys. You want some sexy? You want to laugh? License to talk. License to talk is brought to you by Charlie's Boatyard, 1111 Furman Boulevard. Great food, great service. Check them out down on the water. First in Buffalo, 391 Abbott Road. Firemen owned and operated. Get your custom gear at First in Buffalo. Mr. Submarine, 1977 South Park Avenue. Home of the best ham sub in South Buffalo. Don't forget about their Chevetta chicken pizza. Dog Ears Bookstore, 688 Abbott Road. Don't get your coffee from Timmy when you can get it from Tommy. Vinyl Vibes Buffalo. Stickers, decals, custom design. Check them out on Instagram at Vinyl Vibes Buffalo. Bottle Rocket Beer Reserve. Burgers and bottles, Friday night. Check them out, Marky. They're stocked and ready to rock. Check them out. The Rocket. Bottle Rocket Beer Reserve. Good Speeds Beverage Center. 2202 Seneca Street, right on the corner of Buffum. Check them out. Family owned and operated. Ice cold beverage at your service. Bob's Barbershop. 2098 Seneca Street. You got a call before you get a haircut. 207-9210. Check them out. You got to see the action there on Seneca Street. All right, Marky, here on the program is Tom Mullen, episode 55. He is an author. He's looking for a publisher. The book is called The Day in the Life of a Garbage Man, a South Buffalonian. Graduated from South Park, 1969. Tom Mullen. 69. 69. I I, I got to count every year here. (laughs) Tom Mullen. Tom, welcome to License to Talk. Good to be here. Now, I've run into Tom from time to time. He's, I wouldn't call him a bar guy. But he's, he's this guy that everyone knows a little about. Now we're going to find out the whole story today, Marky. Okay. So you grow up in South Buffalo. Tell yep. us a little about growing up. Well, uh, I was raised uh, over in St. Teresa's Parish uh, and as an only child, which was really unusual in South Buffalo. Although not for lack of trying on my parents' part. My mother had uh, four miscarriages, one stillborn, and my father looked at me sometimes like I was the fifth uh, 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 uh a person that didn't make it but anyways <laughs> so but it was odd in that uh, you took a lot of abuse as an only child and you had no one to stick up for you you know everybody had an older brother or, or younger brother they could look out for and uh but it was it was you know it, it, life is like that people if you come from a big family you want to be an only child if you're an only child you want to have a big family right, right. you always want what you can't have but, but uh there was a big family down the street called the, the murray family they had nine kids plus mom and dad and they lived in a three-bedroom flat so the boys had one room the the five boys four girls in the other room mom and dad and it was amazing how they actually got it all together to even exist in that confined space so one day uh timmy my he was about my age invited me to go and have dinner with him i thought this was the greatest thing in the whole wide world holy crap i'm going to be able to sit with all these kids this is great so the first shift was five o'clock. Mom took care of the first shift. 
and they had split it up, boys and girls, olders, younger, you know, so, and then dad had the second shift at six. So the five o'clock shift had come in. I'm invited to the six o'clock shift. So we all sit down and I'm sitting next to Timmy and all the brothers and sisters. Dad's in charge of this one. He whips out all the vittles, meatloaf, gravy, mashed potatoes, blah, blah, blah. So as we're eating, 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 now we get towards the end of the meal and I'm looking around and I'm seeing these kids. They're starting to lick their plates and I'm thinking, Jesus Christ, it's got to be brutal having all those kids, the poor kids, they got to lick every last thing, every crumb. They're probably starving to death. This is horrible. So next thing I know, my buddy Timmy nudges me. Tommy, he says, you got to eat everything off the plate or you don't get dessert. Don't get dessert. What the hell? So I keep, I start licking, licking, licking. Next thing I see, all the kids are flipping their plates over upside down. In comes dad with the ice cream. He slaps the ice cream on the bottom of the plates. <laughs> boom, 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 boom. Here's the brilliance of it. It was five less plates for those kids to wash at the end of the, at the, end of the dinner session. Brilliant. You can't, I mean, you can't, you know, but kids in big families, they work things out so that, you know, you can uh, uh, survive. So um, I learned that lesson. So now I go home next dinner, uh, day dinner, I start licking the plate. My mother cracked me right in the back. What the hell are you doing? You don't let the damn plate in this thing. She's yelling. So I said, mom, the bones do it. Oh, the Murray's do it. We're not the Murray's. God damn it. I'm licking this. So anyways, it didn't go over too big with mom and dad and licking the plate, but what a lesson to be learned about a big family. I I uh, married into a big family. The the Keen, the Keens and Oh sure. Oh yeah. Oh, so yeah. And, uh, Dick Kane the, the Yeah, that family. He was my baseball coach. Uh, I know him I, I, oh. from kids. My dad and him were uh, politician buddies and stuff. So I know your family well. Yeah, well that's the in-laws. The in-laws. Yeah, and, the outlaws, the in-laws. Yeah, the outlaw. I'm an outlaw. Yeah. <laughs> but it's funny because you go to these parties and like my family parties, we're not a big family. They're like four or five hours long. You go to these parties, you eat, you have coffee, you have dessert, and you get the hell out of there. <laughs> and 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 it's it's hilarious to me because now it's I I'm used to that when I go to my family parties. It's like, all right, we're ready to go, and they're like, where are you going? We're busting out the games and the Jenny <laughs> right, lights here. Right, Come on, right, right, right. That's funny. Oh, so, I've got two sides of the family. One side you can't get rid of them. You got to got to turn the lights on and get them out of there. And the other sides they're just like that. Yeah, they eat and they're gone. I saw I used to have them over when I was uh, my family young and stuff. So I'd invite them over and I'd tell them dinner's at five, five o'clock and come and go. Where's dinner? And I'm thinking to myself, well, it's not quite ready yet. But if you're coming over to eat my food and drink my booze, you're going to suffer my company. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I made them stay. <laughs> I, I came from a, like a pretty big family myself. I got picked on. I was the youngest. Oh, yeah. I got picked on youngest, oldest, anybody in between. It was one of the lessons I learned uh, young is that. That was not one of the benefits of being an only child. Yeah. I didn't have any brother or sister to throw under the bus because God knows I'd have tossed them right under there in heartbeat. <laughs> oh, Joey sure. did it. Nancy did it. Anybody. But, yeah. Ours was like, you just don't want to top the worst. It's like, oh, well, she always did that. You know? <laughs> right. I, mine wasn't so bad. <laughs> right. <laughs> in, in my research, you went to South Park. You're a big swimmer, Tommy Moore. Yeah. Uh, myself and some of my buddies, we all got inducted into the Sports Hall of Fame at South Park. We all swam. We swam together from uh, kids from eight years old. And uh, we're still good friends today. There's four of us left out of the six. And uh, we still see each other and stay in close contact. So it's, it was a great experience. Isn't it something when you meet somebody that can't swim? <laughs> like I worked out here on the water and 
Like, there's guys with boats that are like, hey, hey, you got to walk this guy to his boat. I'm like, what the hell do I got to walk up to right. the boat for? Well, if he, fall, he might fall in, he can't swim. I go, he can't swim. <laughs> he can't and swim. And the one guy owns three <laughs> boats. But you, you talk about teaching. We have a lot of guys that listen that have young kids. How do you start somebody out swimming? Well, I can give you my mother's, uh, uh, how she did it. She ended up being a tow checker at Kaz Pool. So I'm like four years old, five, four years old. She's so my mother, that puts her at about 25, 26 years old. So the lifeguards like to practice. She let me get the practice dummy. They'd be throwing me in the five foot. I'd be drowning. and they'd, they'd practice. I'd think in my mother, this is cruelty. You're throwing me in. I'm scared shitless, drowning in the five foot. And uh, the guards are practicing. They, they, thanks, Ma. But no, I mean, uh, in all reality, I used to teach to learn to swim. It was the Courier Express learn to swim at Cass Pool. Eight o'clock in the morning, freezing, those little bastards. Get in the pool, you little shits. <laughs> but uh, you start out just on the side, you know, doing the float. The float's the first thing. You want to get them comfortable in the water and do a little float and then some kicking on the side. And then you develop a stroke and right. on you go. But I, I grew up with, with a pool. I had an oh, in-ground. Cool, yeah. So it was really, I learned how to swim at a young age. Right. But I would not, I was, I'm such a little diva sometimes. I would never go in the lake. Mm. Never. Oh, yeah, seaweed. Yeah. Oh. yeah, there's some strange fish floating around in there, too. I know. I used to see those dead ones floating up uh, at Lake Erie. And just like, uh, and back in the 80s, you, you might have caught something. It was so disgusting. Oh, the pollution, you know? yeah. <laughs> but so you ended up being a swimmer, and, you know, that's something that you don't see any a lot anymore, the yeah. swim teams and stuff. How do you think that fell off? Was a progression of other sports? Oh yeah, definitely. It, uh, that uh, although you know, if you get out to the suburbs, the city swimming uh, is pretty much gone. Uh, this, I don't know how many uh, of the high schools still have swimming, if any, in the city. But you get out in the burbs, and uh, the high school swimming is is good. The YMCA say that it, back in the day, the South Buffalo Y was the feeder program for South Park High School. We right. went. We were all. We were state champions at ten. At the Y, we walked into South Park, and we were all high freshman year. Yeah. We were state champions, and that's a ready-made program. The guy, the guy that was our swimming coach was a jerk. Couldn't teach swim worth a shit. But he, he inherited. He was a history teacher, but he inherited a championship team. All he had to do was sit back and go, yeah, go ahead, swim. <laughs> yeah. And uh, we won the cup three times in a row and uh, retired it and got, uh, got inducted recently. Uh, the, in fact, it was the first Sports Hall of Fame South Park ever had, and we got inducted into oh, the first great. class. Wow. So Congratulations. Kind of neat, yeah. Yeah. Well, and then you, you went on a lifeguard, right? I was a lifeguard at Kaz, yeah. Uh, and then uh, also... I'll give you, uh, well, I was at Kaz, but the second year was the most interesting. And let me give you a quick uh, story. And it's in here, by the it's in the book, by the way. But uh, uh, I got sent to JFK, Clinton and Hickory Street, uh, due to the fact that my old man had crossed some politician. And they were pissed off at him. So they figured, well, we'll send the, uh, his kid off to JFK in the black section, and he'll get scared and quit. We don't have to fire him. So I get out there, and the first day, I, now this is 1968, so you got to frame 68. Martin Luther King got killed. Robert Kennedy got killed. There's riots in all the cities, including Buffalo, and they're taking pot shots at police, fire, garbage men. It's, it's bad. So I'm down there. I get in the guard stand, and I'm shitting my pants. So here I am sitting on the guard stand, and the foreman comes up. Big Smitty, it'd be about six foot five. Hey, uh, you look a little scared. I go, I'm scared. You shit me, I'm scared stiff. He goes, well, look it. He said, if you're in the pool here, you're fine. We'll watch out for you. 
and uh, nothing's going to happen. But he says, well, how do you go home? Where do you live? I said, well, I live in South Buffalo, and I got to walk up Clinton Street to, to uh, 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 Washington and take the 14, the Abbott Road. He goes, that's not a good idea. <laughs> what? He goes, let me give you some words to live by. A good run is better than a bad stand, he says. He said, can you run fast? I go, oh, hell yeah, I can run fast. He says, well, when you let out of here, you run as fast as you can up, up, up Clinton Street. Don't look left, don't look right, just run. Because back then they had the Talbert Mall and the Douglas Towers, gangs, big time, bad, badass stuff going on. So off I went. Every day when I got out, I, I was like, down the street I'd go. So after a couple, three or four days of this, the AFWB, FWB, finally I said to this kid, Reggie, Reggie was a fellow lifeguard, what the hell they call me FWB for? Fastest white boy they ever seen. <laughs> hey, you're, you're a white streak right down Clinton Street. There go FWB. <laughs> so that was, uh, that was a great experience, though. I ended up uh, uh, really enjoying it there. I, uh, I was a good athlete, and I played basketball on their 17-18 basketball team. I was the only white kid in, in the park when we played for the championship at uh, uh, Maston that year. In fact, the kids from JFK were getting mocked up by having a white cracker on their team. Uh, but it was, it was a great experience, really a, a great experience for me. That's great. And you, you get to Kaz Pool, and I worked at Kaz Pool. <laughs> okay, perfect. So we, I know that there, there's a little bit of buffoonery that goes on at Kaz well, Pool. Were you working when it was outside? Yeah, oh, yeah, the old school, the old one, yeah. yeah. In fact, you know Jack Ravel. Yeah, yeah. So he was my first boss ever at, as, as, you know, besides doing chores around your house. So anyways, he knew my father, politician, and this and that. So one day, you'd go home, 5 o'clock, you'd go home, they'd close the pool, dinner, come back. So I come back at 6, the door is locked. But I can hear there's noises. So kids are lined up to get back in the pool. So I start pounding on the door, and nobody's answering. Pounding, pounding, shaking the door. Finally, the door opens up a little crack, and there's Jack Revelt, the foreman. Tommy, we got a problem here, he says. Well, what's the problem, Jack? Well, some damn motorcycle gang came by and threw broken beer bottles and glass in the pool. We're going to have to close the pool tonight, drain it, and tomorrow we'll clean it up. Well, Mr. Ravel, I got goggles. I'll go in and I'll, I'll clean. No, we got the, I said, I got, he goes, get in here. He grabs me, pulls me in. Well, this was a scene out of, uh, uh, out of, uh, out of a crazy house. There's about 20, 30 of Jack's best friends, girls, guys, drinking, no tops on with the women. He sits me down in the corner, stuffs a beer in my hand and says, sit down and shut up. Well, my eyes must have been as big as uh, saucers as I'm staring and watching this antics going on. And I'm going, I think I like this Mr. Ravel in this lifeguard gig. I, we're going to get along just fine. And you're still having drinks with him to this I day. Still, yeah. We're still friends to this day. Oh, yeah. that's great. <laughs> The, the only thing I didn't do, I think I'm the only lifeguard in the history of uh, Kazanovia Pool that never went in the pool. <laughs> I I got the hookup like you, you know, I, right. I handed out the pamphlets and stuff oh, like sure. that. So they had nowhere to stick me. So they're like, can you swim? I said, yeah, I've had a pool since yeah. blah, blah, blah. You're all set then. Perfect. <laughs> Something happens. Get out of there. Okay. <laughs> so when they would do the, uh, there would always be the plants where they would they would fake a drowning. Okay. That right. would, that's what happened in my day, and they I would always get a tap on the shoulder from a real lifeguard, <laughs> like, "Hey, go take a break, go have a Marlboro," you know. <laughs> but yeah, Cas Caspool doesn't get enough credit. Where a lot of uh, you always think, oh, the park, the baseball diamond, or or the, the ice rink. But a lot of the camaraderie, and we, we talk about camaraderie here sure. a lot, 
uh, started at Kaz Pool that a lot Absolutely. of people don't know. I was there every day as a little kid. We, I'd walk from Roanoke and up, and we swam there, too. We practiced. Uh, in the yeah. summer, we swam the AAU, the uh, amateur athletic stuff, in the summer. So we worked out there in the summer, and then the winter we were at the South Buffalo Y. So I was there every day from six, seven years old till 18. Marky loves the water. Mark, I, we have him over for the at the pool sometimes nice. for years. Your brother he, was the dictator back in the day. Yeah. If he didn't like you, you weren't invited to the pool. <laughs> well, he got there so from me. So when I got there, you know, there. I never left. Yeah. <laughs> right. Mark's the last, the last one out. He's a fish. It's yeah, great. Like I said, big family. We didn't have a pool at home. You right. Know? It was like we were scraping by. <laughs> getting over to a pool, I was like, I'm not getting out. Not getting out. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Hardest Hardest uh, type of swimming, is it the backstroke? Butterfly. Butterfly? See, that's what I'm good at. Uh, well, it's a lot of upper body strength, and you got to have a, a lot of power in the in your kick as well to bring those arms and shoulders up out of the water. So that, to me, was the hardest stroke. I wasn't very good at it. <laughs> yeah, backstroke always gave me problems. I, I liked the breaststroke. I was, I was good a breaststroker at. and freestyler, yeah. I swam at Niagara, too, for, for a couple you know, years. A lot of guys that are listening to this now uh, with, with young athletes as kids or, or young athletes that are listening, they don't understand the significance, how great swimming helps you in other sports. Well, you're in shape like crazy. First of all, your, your cardiovascular is second to none. And the biggest thing uh, is there's no injuries. You know, you yeah. get a kid playing football, he wipes out his knee, he's got a bad ankle, his shoulder, concussion. And a lot of the other sports are contact, you know, I mean, from uh, lacrosse to uh, uh, basketball. But swimming, you know, the worst you're going to get maybe is a cramp. <laughs> any, so it's a great any, sport. Any fights with the other squads? Does it, did it ever get to that point? Oh, God, yeah. We really? Were, we were brutal. We were, we were the worst. Well, we're, well that's not surprising. Yeah, no one yeah, really we were criminals. says watch out for the swim team. Yeah. No, we were, we were, we were actually criminals. Uh, <laughs> no, we, I, there's a story in here about uh, – I can uh, – but uh, – we uh, learned very well. See, back then, uh, I was living upstairs with my grandparents. My mother and father had no money. We were scraping by, as were everybody else that I grew up with. Well, we thought it would be fair enough that if somebody was foolish enough to leave a few pennies in their, in their uh, shorts or pants when they were swimming, that's ours. <laughs> so we developed a system where there'd be four of us would hit the hit. We'd call them hit the lockers, and our two big guys would work the two doors. There's always a door that leads to the pool, and there's always a door that comes into the locker room. So we had it down. You go uh, first. You go up on top of the locker, see if it's there. You do the front pads, front of the pants, back of the pants. And the shoes. Why people put money in shoes is stupid. Every thief is going to check there. So we used to hit that up. But one time, and I'll, I'll tell you, because it's again in the story in the book, is uh, we were state champions, and we uh, ended up at Buff State College. We were 12 years old. And uh, the state championship was there, the YMCA. And we hit the mother load. Some <laughs> knucklehead official from out of town didn't know there was kids like us around. Well, we hit it up for about 130 bucks. We're 12 years old. We don't know what the hell to do with the $130. So we split it up between the six of us. Now we don't know what to do. Well, somebody comes up with the bright idea. Let's take a cab back to South Buffalo. Why? Yeah, sure, great. So we all get in the cab. Where do you go? Well, I don't know. Follow that bus. It's the team bus. 
So now we're sitting in the cab waiting for the team bus to go. Well, obviously, the coach, my cousin Bobby Mullen, is, where's my six swimmers? They're in trouble somewhere because these kids are always. So finally, someone says, I think they're in the cab behind the, behind the bus. So my cousin comes to the back, those big picture windows in the back of the buses, the big yeah. sky, you know, and he gives us the slash the throat that, uh, routine. Which means we're done. (laughs) So now we follow the the, the cab, follows the bus back to South Buffalo. We go to Henry's Hamburgers on McKinley Parkway. (laughs) 15 cent burgers, blah, blah, blah. So we send one of our friends up and said, go get the kids and tell them I'll come up. Free burgers and and shakes and fries. So about 30, 40 kids show up at Henry's. We're spending all the money. (laughs) And now I got about three bucks left. And I didn't, I was afraid to take it home because my mother found three bucks in my pocket. I was done. Where'd you get $3? (laughs) But uh, yeah, so we were, we were not good kids. Henry's hamburgers. Yeah, we, we made a fact uh, one time. Uh, I'll just tell you another quick swimming story. We go to the state championship uh, down in Long Island and uh, we went out and got drunk. We were 16 at this time and we were all hung over. Now, we held the four by 100 free relay, the state record. We come in third place. We're so hung over and messed up that the team from Long Island breaks our record and we come in third. So we're not too happy about this. Now, as is a habit with the swimmers, You'll go into the locker, kick off your swimming suit, and rinse off the chlorine, cause that that'll dry you out. But I saw these kids had, and they they we had the plain red trim, swimming trunks with the iron-on South Buffalo eye. These kids had embroidered, beautiful sweatsuits, tricolor swimming trunks with the panels. So they made the mistake of leaving them on the ground. Well, don't you think we'd look good in those swimming trunks? We stole the swimming trunks from the relay. It comes down to now the last relay, the last event of the whole swimming meet for the state championships for our age group, 16, 15, 16. We got to win the, the four by 100 relay or we're not the champions. So I was second. Kid in front of me gets up on the starting blocks, drops his uh, sweatpants, and there's the tricolor of the uh, Long Island swimming team. Their coach goes nuts, coming up to my cousin Bobby, yelling and pointing. Now it's my, I'm up now. I got the tricolor. Long story long, we broke their record that uh, they had set the day before, won the championship, and were promptly suspended for a year from YMCA competition. <laughs> you can take a kid out of South Buffalo, but you can't take the South they Buffalo out of should have never let us in Long Island, I'll tell you. <laughs> I, I was coaching in Detroit. I coached a Cass hockey team. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. All, the, all these animals, right? Right. So this high school, the head coach, he, we were a good team. We were known throughout the nation. Right. And he goes, I want you guys to have my locker room. I go, no. <laughs> they, their logo had a shamrock, strike one. Oh. And they were loaded and everything was out. So oh. I, I said to the guy, I'm coaching with, we, we can't no. take this. He goes, what are you talking about? I go, they're going to fucking steal everything. <laughs> <laughs> well, no one believed me. Sure enough, and this was right when email started. So when you got an email, it was serious, you know? Yeah. They wanted all their stuff back. <laughs> they wanted, they had a bill for us. These kids took everything that wasn't nailed down. Oh, God, yeah. And in the school, the initials were, I don't know what it was called, but SB. Oh, well. So we got SB and a shamrock. Forget about it. Yeah, we were thrown out for a bench brawl. <laughs> so that's how they got away with it because we had to leave a day before it started. But it's <laughs> funny. It, and you don't really look at it as you're a thief. 
But you are. No, but we were terrible. It's more, it's more like kids' shit. We graduated to stealing cars and stuff. We were brutal. <laughs> stealing cars? Yeah, we, had, we used to rob a few cars here and there. Just for transportation purposes. We didn't keep them. Got the we here and there. We used to go from A to B. One time, uh, two buddies of mine, uh, uh, back in the day, they had an on-off lock on these old GM uh, uh, vehicles. So they spotted this station wagon on Potter Road. So they push it out into the street, start up, and they start heading up Abbott Road. The guy who owns the, whose, whose wife owns the car is coming home from work. He sees his wife's car go by. Well, it's not just a regular some guy. It's a Buffalo cop. He sees his, his wife's car go by with not his wife in the car. So he turns around and, heads and cuts my buddies off, jumps out, and he knows us. You son of a bitches. Take, take my wife's car and put it back in the goddamn driveway or I'll shoot you. <laughs> That's great. So and just, the car got back and no, no, just need a ride. Yeah. Needed a ride. Probably we're snowing going, or raining. We we're going. We were going out drinking. Come on, <laughs> let's go jack this car real quick. <laughs> so then you, how do you get the city hall working at city hall? And you, you, we all know how that works. Yeah. You said your dad was a politician. My what dad was, he? was the director of labor relations for the city. Oh so, wow. Uh, what was his name? Paul Mullen. And. Uh, uh, this was under Sedita and then Mikowski. So I got out of Niagara and, uh, uh, well, he, he didn't want me to go into government to begin with. He got me a job working uh, M&T Bank in the executive training program. Well, that didn't work out so well. They, uh, they said, well, you can quit or, or we're going to fire you. I never quit anything. Good, you're fired. Get out. <laughs> in fact, the guy that hired me is Mark Schroeder's, was Mark Schroeder's father. Really? He was the personnel labor guy for M&T Bank at the time. So a couple weeks go by, phone rings, it's my father. Jesus Christ, what the hell did you do? You father? What, what happened? Well, the guy called me a fuck. I hope you kicked his ass. <laughs> <laughs> so, end, of, end of banking career and then into City Hall. My dad got me hooked up in the mayor's office uh, as a uh, citizen advisory committee on community improvement. And I had the first ward, uh, the valley, and uh, the hydraulics. And in fact, uh, I came up with a plan for the uh, silos and uh, all the uh, grain mills here. I ran into a guy from uh, Cornell University by the name of Dr. John Nickham. I had read some of his work. It, he, he, he did a lot of work on uh, fish farming. So I said to him, uh, I called him and I said, do you think you could make these big silos, these grain elevators, fish aquariums? He goes, I don't know, but let me come up. So he came up, he did a whole study and yes, it, it can work. So uh, I get permission to go to all, uh, Washington to see if I can get some funny. So I first meet with Hank Nowak, the congressman. Fish meal. <laughs> yeah. He laughs me right out of the goddamn place. Yeah. So that didn't go so well. So my father says, well, when you're there, let's go see Jimmy Malloy, who was the South Buffalo doorkeeper of the House of Representatives. Yeah. So I go in and sit down. And he come on in, Tommy. How's the old man? Bum, 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 bum. What brings you to D.C.? So I tell him the fish fish meal story. He starts laughing his ass. I'm going, what the fuck is wrong with me? I get in the fish meal story. Everybody's laughing. He goes, the reason why I'm laughing is he said, the guy that had this job before me was named Fishbait Miller from Alabama. <laughs> You're Fish Meal Mullen from Buffalo. <laughs> so I, 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 I tailed between my leg back to Buffalo and suffice it to say, the, the grain mills never got to fish aquariums. But that wow. was a, a story. That, that Malloy guy, he's the guy at the State of the Union who would yell, ladies and gentlemen, the President of the United States, when he would come in. Yes. Oh, and he okay. was from South Buffalo. Yeah, exactly. I, I, 
I got to see him speak at my high school oh, uh, yeah. at Timon when right. I was a, a freshman. Very yeah. quick. It was just just like his job, real quick. Yeah. He, he well, the- you know, he did the expense accounts for all the congressmen, senators, and congressmen. So he knew all their secrets. Oh, he yeah. knew what hotel bill was paid and where. So he had a lot of power down there at the time. Typical so, South Buffaloian. Yeah. You and, know? And, 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 of course, he kept it close to the vest, and I'm yeah. sure he used it upon uh, uh, an occasion or two. But that's why they got, finally got rid of that position, because he held too much power. He knew too many of the secrets of, of uh, the, 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 the picadillos, as we should say, of, uh, of the Congress people. Yeah. So they got rid of the position. He was the last one. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> We could use him now, I guess. Huh? Oh, God, yeah. So, City Hall, we, I always hear the Griffin years. I don't know much about uh, Makowski and Sedita. Any difference? Well, he, oh, yeah. Uh, uh, Griffin oh, Griffin was uh, uh, a real strong, uh, tough politician that insisted upon loyalty. It was his way or the highway. Uh, prior to that, uh, 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 Mikulski was a, a sort of a laid-back kind of guy, uh, but uh, I, I, I was working in the Citizen Advisory Committee, met a couple guys, uh, uh, this Joe Eliota, whose family owned the Good Bar, and another guy named Leon Colucci, and we thought it'd be a good idea to open up a, a, a disco. So we found this joint on South Park Avenue. It was called The Chic. We take, we get the, we decide we're going to get the job. Now, I'm got a great job i'm 24 years old at the time working at city hall making a good buck hey dad i'm quitting the job i'm gonna go to work uh, i'm gonna go and open up a disco he you looks, quit city hall qu- quit quit city hall to open up a disco he looks at me and goes you fucking asshole four years of college <laughs> to teach you how to pour a drink you could have walked right out of the back of south park high school and start pouring drinks you didn't have to fuck around at niagara yeah so now he comes down and i'm i'm like shitting my pants he's pissed he goes well all right he kind of you know makes up his mind that he's going to have to suffer this he said well how the hell are you going to buy a bar you got nothing you're just out of college you got no money you got shit i said i got partners he looks at me he goes oh partners do you let me tell you something about partners <laughs> the only ship that never sailed was a partnership yeah. call me when it sinks <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> we know sure. all that so, yeah. but anyways, I had a ball. I would never trade in would, the, the disco. Were you years. big into disco? I, I hated disco, but it sold. <laughs> oh, it, it I sold. It, it was sold. a money we, maker. I, it was at South Park and Southside. It's now a drugstore. It's a drugstore only. Right across oh, yeah, the, yeah, the yeah. Capitol South Park Hall. And Southside. Yeah. That single building sits by itself. Well, yeah. that was Tom Mullen's Lounge back, back in the day. Wow. Yeah, so had that for uh, five years. And then I uh, uh, got out of there and ended up being a garbage man. Well, hold on. Yeah, I want to yeah. talk about the 70s having a bar. Oh, I, a, a disco? I, oh. A disco. Not a bar, a disco. Yeah. I'm, the 70s are just like always on this program. I always talk about Vietnam, and I, I, I'm very interested. I don't hear a lot about the 70s in South Buffalo. It's no one almost, can remember what no, happened. Right. Everybody was yeah. so high. <laughs> Was Louie ever a bartender or a DJ at your bar? No, no. no. I, I, I knew I did. I knew Louie tangentially through other people, but not to, to speak to or, or, or yeah. that. And uh, as South Buffalo is, and you know this, it's it's still. I imagine today, but it, back then it was certainly uh, segregated by 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 street. You had your South Park kids, you had your Abbott Road kids, and your Seneca kids, and not a lot of cross crossover went went on. 
But uh, it, I, well, sex, drugs, rock and roll, man, I, I got to tell you, sometimes I was afraid to come out from behind the bar because I had one broad down here, one in the middle, one on the other end. I didn't want to piss off any one of them by grab. So I'd stay behind the bar bartending. But uh, one night uh, I, I heard this Italian stallion guy as the doorman. And he's got the, the, the open shirt with the hairy chest with the uh, horn the, and, yeah. stuff and the gold chain. Well, he had this routine that he would, as, as the, and don't forget back then, women were dressed to the nines. Yeah. It was disco, and they had uh, hot, the boots and the, 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 the hot pants, and Hair they were spray. all dressed to the, they were yeah. dressed to go. So he would stand at the door uh, of Tom Mullins, last call, you know, and as these good-looking women go by, go, how about a good night fuck? How about a good night fuck? <laughs> well, he, yeah, well, t- believe it or not, they would, some broads would go, yeah, sure, let's go. 70s, man. 70s, baby. So one night I go, I got to see this. So I stood next to him at the close. You know, I'm watching. So he's this gorgeous, beautiful blonde comes walking by, and he goes, how about a good night fuck? She takes two more steps. She turns and pivots on her high heel, turns around and goes, good night fuck. (laughs) (laughs) And, and, And back down, there's no state liquor authority, or it's not as what we know about as it now. Nah, well, no, not the no. It coppers are the local coppers are forced the, to go out. That precinct fifteen. I had like four or five cousins that were Buffalo cops. I was well taken care of by yeah. the local constabulary uh, there. But uh, it was wild. I mean, uh, we had a trap door uh, at, out in the sidewalk. So I'm standing out there one night, and all of a sudden I feel like this pressure underneath, like the the trap door is lifting up. I step on the side. Here's some drunken kid coming out with a case of OV splits. Come try to rob the thing. Gee, so I kicked the, the metal door and hit him in the head, and down he goes. And I'm thinking, did I kill the son of a bitch? Jesus Christ, let's get him, let's get his body out of here. Take it next door. Take <laughs> him over in the in the parking lot next door. If he wakes up over there, it's like, we don't know. Did you get any Buffalo Bills in there? No, no. We no but yeah. we used to be jam-packed. I mean, it would be Friday night, Saturday night would be lines out in front. And Wednesday, we did rock and roll night. Like they mulligans on Mondays, but we did it on Wednesdays. And uh, it was jammed. We had a ball. We, uh, you know how uh, different bars have, sh- uh, I would call it the shot du jour. Something yeah. that's popular. Everybody drinks uh, old granddad or drinks whatever. So our drink was old granddad. And uh, if anybody wanted to buy the bartenders a shot or they get, a, get around old granddad, we were selling cases a week, cases. So this goes on for a couple of years. So one Saturday afternoon, I'm sitting in the car. It's a su- summer day, got the doors open. I'm doing some paperwork. And if you recall the way the guys looked in the 70s, they had the big broad uh, lapels and the mm-hmm. big uh, uh, three-piece suits with the wide, you know, all the big ties, big ties. Yeah. So this guy comes in, he goes up to my bartender. Hey, is the owner of this here establishment on premise? And the guy goes, yeah, he's right over there. He comes over, big as life, white, white hair, red face. Hey, kid, my name is Buzz Busby. I'm the Northeast Regional Sales Director for the old granddad distillery of blah, 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 <laughs> Kentucky. I had to come and see this because you sell more old granddad than any bar outside of New York City on the whole East Coast. Wow. Oh, my God. <laughs> So off we go, and we well, of course, we start drinking old granddad. He stays for the afternoon. Ah, kid, I got it. Kid, I don't think you ever knew my name. Hey, kid, I got to go. I got to catch a plane back to, to New York. He said, where do you, give me your address. So I start writing the bar address down. He goes, no, 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 no. Give me your home address. 
I can get the home address. About two weeks later, a, a liquor delivery truck pulls up 10 cases of old granddad, Woo! courtesy of Buzz Busby. Wow. Thanks, Buzz. <laughs> <laughs> I think we were a Kessler bar. Kessler's or Corby's or, yeah. Julius Kessler. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Smooth as silk. Smooth as silk. <laughs> but it, it, they say uh, owning a bar takes years off your life, but I think it adds because you, you have so many stories that you get to tell. You meet so many people, good and bad, mostly right. good, oh, believe yeah. it or not. Yeah. I had a great, I, I you know, I, I don't regret one second. I had a ball. And what was it called? Tom Mullins Lounge. I had well, my name I, up in How did you get your name and you had partners? <laughs> I was in South Buffalo. Tell the two, we had two, I had two Italian partners and me, so what's it going to be? Colucci? No. Eliota? No. Mullin? Yeah, great idea. Yeah. What a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> I should have called it anything but... Yeah, but it was a great time. I had a great time, and uh, I, you know, I, I played the whole role. My partner Leon says, "Mullen, he he never used my first name. Mullen, you got to get a Corvette. You're a bar owner now. You got to have a fucking Corvette." So I go and get the Corvette. Oh wait, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So now I got I'm 24. I got Tom Mullen's lounge name up in lights. I got the Corvette. I got this hot, hot Portuguese chick as my living girlfriend. She just dropped dead beautiful. So I, I, so now I go to Leon had a tobacco and tea store up on Elmwood Avenue. So I go up, beep, 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 Leon, look, and I got the Corvette. Come on, let's go for a ride. He opens the door. He looks. He goes, Mullen, what do you do with these goddamn mats? He grabs mine, grabs his, throws them. He goes, you don't save the carpets for the next guy. You use the carpets, and then when you go to sell it, you put the rubber things, cover the carpets up. Quaaludes? Never. No, I was not a downer. No? More it's like a white line fever guy. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, you, you look at uh, the culture back then, it was almost acceptable. To, like, drugs, oh. were, drugs were everywhere. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm sorry. Drugs were everywhere. They were, I mean, uh, I had a little office in the basement. I think it was Grand Central down there. <laughs> Lines galore. Oh, my God. <laughs> I mean, anybody running famous? We always we we always like to ask people: Do they ever run into anyone in the establishment? No, they're, they're, you know, it's tough at South Buffalo because they're scared of us, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah so. Any any of these famous guys that we ever met in bar, they're like, "Jeez, well, like we, we right. scared the shit out of Drew Stafford yeah. one night. Our buddy <laughs> kept hugging him, and it was fucking hilarious." But. You don't hear of that celebrity. You no. hear them stopping in for a night. Like you hear these Shooter McGavin stories right. and Chris McDowell stories. Yeah. You, you you never seen anyone hang out in South Buffalo. No, I considered myself the star. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> That's all you needed. Our grand opening night, we had uh, we we went out for dinner. There was twelve of us for dinner, and we brought we took a couple limos. We had the big. Uh, the skylights, the floodlights. We were all dressed in, in tuxes and stuff. What a ball. Had a oh, ball. yeah. I was living a fantasy at 24 years old. Why not? Right. I was there five years till 29, and I go, uh, well, now what am I going to do? So I had a civil service position as sanitation worker. I had done that when I was in college for a couple summers. Uh, and then my father saved the, the civil service title. So I was actually a civil servant garbage man, permanent job so i went back to boom to garbage and uh that's when i ran into uh my union days but uh that that was a it turned out to be great and you know it was, i loved the job uh, uh you know it was a bad day if you weren't on the beach by noon <laughs> right you, like i remember though and they weren't long ago that no. that happened no i don't know what happened i'm sure we'll get to the bottom of it one day but 
tell us yeah, where'd, we, where'd you work? I mean, we yeah, got, we got the, the book right we got in front of us. Day in the life of a garbage I've never man. seen Here a book go. at this stage before. <laughs> this is a uh, this it, is it, pre pre publication. Hey? Yeah, it's a binder, a purple binder with uh, <laughs> we got stick it notes in there. This is the first time I've ever seen a book at this. The well, stage. these I, I did uh, in pre- in preparation for uh, the podcast, just in case I wanted to refer to some of the stories in here. But I'll give you a funny ass story about uh, uh, the garbage, though. It's it's a, it's a classic. Uh, back in the day, they had what they called rollout service, and they would take the cans from the behind the house and put it on the curb, and uh, then we'd pick it up and we'd walk them back. So you never had to touch the garbage cans at all. So. Um, one day where it's the middle of summer, it's like July, August, we're over on the Polish East side and, uh, the truck breaks down the Packer. Well, you got to call an extra guy and they send what, what is a fantail or dump truck out. One guy's got to get up into the fantail and the other two guys throw the cans up. They empty him. He empties it up there, throws the can back down. So they call this guy, Stan. He was a roller. They call him in for overtime. He spoke with the thickest Polish accent. Hey, Mullins. Cocksucker, Mullins. <laughs> I, I thought my last name, my first name was Mullins, and my last name was Cocksucker. Hey, Mullins, Cocksucker. <laughs> but anyways, so we're going, to, we're right on Clinton Street, and you'd get the garbage can and you'd do it like a basketball shot. You'd put your one hand underneath the can and then you'd flip it up. So he gets this can and he pushes, and his hand goes through the rusted out bottom of the garbage can. And down comes the maggot and the oh. maggot juice pours all over him. So he starts doing the Polish polka. <laughs> Mollins, Mollins, these fucking maggots, they're sticking all over me. No fucking way did he say that. Maggots and they're sticking. I can't take it. I'm on the ground crying, laughing as, he, as he's stripping down. The maggots are, are jumping all over his hair and stuff. Mollins, Mollins, get the fucking clothes. God damn it, cocksucker. And he swore like a trooper. I mean, every other word was swearing to this big, thick Polish head. Mollins. Hey, Mollins, cocksucker. So poor Stan, he got, oh, he stunk like a banshee. It was brutal. Yeah. So then another time, um, I'm over on the west side and I had this little Italian guy, Pete, was the, the, the truck driver. And I, this was back when I was in college. Uh, so he says, you want to go and see the, the, the squirrel, the, 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 the incinerator, see how it's done. Oh, hell yeah, let's go. So we drive over to the squirrel. Now there's a pit. You back the truck up to the pit and there's an overhead crane comes by and grabs the garbage and puts it in the, the incinerator and burns it up. So we back up. He says, come on around to the other side. There's a p- power takeoff where you can push the button, it revs the motor, and you pull a lever and it lifts the back, and then you pull another lever and it pushes the garbage out. So he hits the button, and the truck goes, and goes right into the pit. Like, he for, what happened was he forgot to put the thing in park or neutral, and, he, and just an air brake wasn't going to hold that motor once it revved up. So the whole truck goes right into the pit. So I'm looking at him, he's looking at me, and I'm going, this is too, now here's South Buffalo, comes right out of me. I couldn't help myself with this one. I go, that's amazing. Now what happens? Does that crane come by and shake the garbage out and put it back over on the ground over here? You little motherfucker, I'll kick your ass. He starts chasing me all around, all around the, the inside of the incinerator plant. Oh, he was pissed. But that, I couldn't help myself. That oh. was set up. Hey, what did that guy that shake the garbage truck out? Yeah, he was pissed. I, well, the, you, we had a guy the other day coming in soaking wet, 
and he's out of breath. He goes, I need, I need, I go, a towel? <laughs> <laughs> he fucking got all pissed off and walked out, you know. No sense of humor. You got to have your order ready. You got to have uh, no sense of humor. But back then, it was, there's no totes. This is steel garbage cans. Oh, yeah, yeah, they were, I, you know, I'll tell you, I was in great shape. Oh, my God, I mean, I... I got in a fight one time out at the lake when I was like 30 and I had been lifting for about a year and a half straight, two years straight. You're doing 10 tons a day, every day, five yeah. days a week. Cause it's, it's lifting. It's not push the button yeah. in, in the can. So this, this big guy starts with me. I kicked his ass and I'm not a fighter. I'm not, but boy, when you're doing that 10 tons every day, you get awful strong. Yeah. And I, I, I labeled this guy, but uh, it was a great job. Loved the job. Great shape. Yeah, you guys just worked until it was done. You had a route. You did it. As soon as you, yeah. I mean, I would run down the street. I'd tell the old timers, get out of the way. Just get the cans near the curb. I'll take care of the rest because I was in great shape. i just run down the street. And off and you go. get paid for eight hours or yeah. whatever, six, eight, ten, paid, whatever. Pay, you get paid for the whole eight hours. But it was a bad day. If I wasn't up at uh, at Shirkston Quarry by noon on any given day, I was pissed. You're fucking my day up here, man. I'm supposed to be on the beach. What are you doing? And if somebody offers you a beer, you take it, right? Oh, God, yeah. Like, well, I don't want to work with that guy because if you're not in, you're out. Oh, right. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And and uh, we had what they called, everybody had a mooch stops. And that was stops that you picked up extra, uh, like bars especially. Uh-huh. Uh, they oh, would yeah. have, they, they got one scheduled pickup that's covered. But then you'd get two more by the driver had his own, what they called government stops. So if you got the right driver, he'd take you to all these different bars. By the time you were done with the ship, you were shit-faced. <laughs> all the free shots and, and beers and whatnot. A great job. But um, how, the, how, how that changed, I, as I said, my dad was in labor relations. I had taken some course at Cornell, uh, the extension program, and uh, I was fairly interested in it. And then uh, a contract had been negotiated, and, of course, we all went to vote for the contract or vote on the contract. And it was giving away a key clause in the contract that said there shall be no subcontracting of public employee work. That's the golden, that's, that's it. You don't get better than that. They can't get rid of you. So that's in the contract. Now, my dad, don't forget, negotiated with these guys. He was the director of labor relations at the time. So he knew these guys real well, and they knew who I was, too. So I got up and made an impassioned speech about how they shouldn't, uh, both yes on the contract and Bob Bond. The contract went down, so this Rizzo came up and started bitching at me, and and, and of course the Irish big mouth temper took over. Fuck you! I'm going to run against you. Oh, <laughs> foot and mouth disease, you idiot! Oh, oh I, yeah. I, yeah, I put it out there. And now what I found out, the election wasn't for two years, oh, so for two boy. years I had to run, and it was it got intense. They were calling my house, telling telling my wife, don't tell them not to start the car. They tried Mobbed to run up. me. These guys are round up. Oh, they're all my yeah. Rizzo, Maori, the guy that I told you was driving the car, the getaway car for uh, hide in plain sight. Yeah, they're yeah. all they're all mobsters. So I where I got in big trouble though, Griffin took over right during this time, 1977. And this is 78, 79 at this time. Danny Bone, South Buffalo guy, was the purchasing director. My father had negotiated a dental plan. All the uh public employees in, in the city went to this clinic and there's a Jewish guy dentist out of Long Island that had the clinic. Anyways, Danny Bone says, Tommy, Maori and Rizzo, the blue and white collar, both Italian uh, guys that were mobsters or supposed, 
Uh, we're not, what happens in dental plans is you get an, it's expensive to start. It costs a lot of money. Then it, the cost drops down and then levels off so that the, uh, the contribution of the city decreases as, as the experience gets better. Another every six months you go for cleaning and et cetera, so the, the dental bills go down. Well, Mayor and Rizzo were keeping all the money. They were, police and fire were sending back the excess money. So I wrote this article saying they're stealing the money. Next thing you know, I get a call from Ronnie Fino, who oh, was yeah. president of, uh, uh, he was a business agent for the uh, laborers local and, and big time mobster. Tommy, and I knew him from South Buffalo, he went to time in high school. Tommy, we got a problem here. Gee, uh, uh, what's, what's, what's the problem? Well, it's that, that dental plan you wrote about. Ha, 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 ha. He goes, look, I want you to meet me uh, at oh. uh, uh, Andy's on Niagara Street. It was an Italian restaurant on Niagara Street. So <laughs> me and my good friend Art Jays went. Art's about 6'2", 230. He's a tough guy. So I got so walk in, and there's Ronnie Fino, two guys I never saw, Rizzo and Maori. He slide, Ronnie slides the newsletter called the Union Monitor that I used to write and about the dental plan was in there. He goes, Tommy, people get hurt when they write this kind of stuff. Can I write a retraction? Can I? No. In fact, you'll never mention the dental plan again ever, right? Right. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Won't. yeah, yeah whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So <laughs> suffice it to say, I never mentioned it again. And uh, the long story short was uh, it was a lot of publicity. Uh, we had a big brawl at one of the fundraisers for one of the councilmen, uh, my father, me, my buddy Art, against these guys in a big brawl at this uh, bar downtown at a council fundraising. So I win the election of all things by eight votes. And they take the ballot box over, uh, uh, challenge ballots, take it home, comes back the next day, 11 votes in it, all for the other guy, Rizzo. I lose by three out of 3,000 no people. No way. Oh, oh, my gosh. And again, all this publicity. So the next thing you know, uh, and, and I, I appealed, but it didn't go anywhere. So all of a sudden, this guy calls me out of the clear blue sky. His name is Lee Frank. I'm the regional director for CSEA. You interested in coming to work as a union organizer? Fuck yeah. Can you <laughs> back See you later. Yeah. yeah. So I went. And so the a, pen is mightier than the sword. Yeah. 25 year career as a union organizer. Wow. And, you and, yeah, Ended up being the director of organizing for CSCA, the 11th largest in the country. Do you, know, do you know Eddie Mahoney? Uh, my dad and him were like this. Best no friend. way. Okay. That was my uncle. I handed off flyers for Eddie Mahoney when I was four years old. No he way. He was councilman in the South District. He lived on, first he lived on Pomona and then on Roanoke where I lived. And my dad was his personal secretary. So real close, real close. I knew Eddie very, very well. Yeah, see, yeah. We, it was before Mahoney, my time. Mahoney, really. Mahoney, yeah. Mahoney. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, that's awesome. he was quite the guy. Talk, talk about uh, handing stuff out. Like, how was it back then? I mean, you see these political ads now. It's 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 gone well, fucking crazy. Yeah, uh, this was old school, uh, you know, gumshoe kind of door to door leaflet drop stuff, and yeah. I I was doing that at four, five, all the way through. And what was amazing is that when I became a union organizer, it's the same thing. You're trying to get people to vote for not a politician, but a union in this case. So I was perfectly trained for it. I spent a lifetime being trained to be a union organizer. It was the best job ever. I was perfectly suited for it and was real good. Dick Kane used to get our, our ball clubs yeah. to go hand out, and then he'd bring us to Slime Line. Okay, yeah. My dad used to bring us to Cosentino's down at, uh, it was at Geary and Seneca for pizza after we'd do the, well, he'd pick up the swimming team. We'd, there'd be about oh, six, yeah. ten of us. We'd pile in my father's car. He'd drop us off at a corner and a corner, and we'd run up and down the streets with the flyers and 
McGurn, McGurn brought up Mahoney on on his podcast. Uh, well respected guy. Yeah. And kind of you look at our, our councilman now, the president of South Buffalo that I call him, uh, Chris Scalen. <laughs> yeah, Chris. Kind of brings those old school, not tactics, but uh, I don't know how to say it. Uh, old school mentality. Well, it's, it, you know, you, you still can't get past press, press in the flesh. Yeah. And making yourself available to talk with your constituents, uh, whatever. Uh, I found that the, with the union organizing, all the things that I had learned, and not knowing that I was learning them, but learning them nonetheless, uh, uh, came into play as a union organizer. And uh, as I said, I was tailor-made for it. It was a job. I couldn't, you know, as, as one grows up, you don't, I had no real game plan about what I was going to do <laughs> in, outside of being a disco owner. No. <laughs> How but, far did Eddie make it in politics? I'm not really positive, sure about Eddie was a power. I mean, he was. uh, Let me give you an example of how powerful he was. Jack Ravel, as we mentioned before, was a uh, teacher and he got involved in politics with Eddie uh, as a young guy. Him and uh, Jimmy Doherty and a a couple others. Uh, So Mahoney calls Jack Ravel one day and says, uh, you're moving to North Buffalo and you're going to be the North District Councilman. Eddie, I don't even know where North Buffalo is. <laughs> well, you better get out there and learn because now you're the councilman. That's how powerful he was, that he could call the wow. shot. And uh, they, uh, uh, there had been a guy that moved up to a judgeship that vacated the, the North District, so they appointed Ravel. He never stepped foot in the North District. He, <laughs> he didn't even know where it was. Yeah. But that's how powerful Eddie was. Wow. And he, he named judges, and, you know, I mean, he was big-time, big-time powerful guy. I was a little young, so, you know, I didn't. I never got on the back of a garbage truck. You know, it's it's funny how that's like a coveted spot. Coveted. You know? oh, oh, well, the yeah. lifeguard jobs were yeah to die for because that was a great job. I mean, you're a young kid, you're strolling it's around. It's wild to think that. You yeah, know? you're strolling like, around with the, the whistle and the guard hat and flirting with all the girls and stuff. It was great. It was a great job. But, yeah, getting on the back of the garbage truck, it was a lot of – you had to have a lot of pull, right? I loved it. I loved it. I mean, it, even yeah. to this day, oh, yeah. I don't know how many par- permanent garbage men there are. We used to, I remember one time, we used to pick up uh, Bardinsky, uh, the Polish sausage maker. Peckham in, in Detroit, I think it was. So at the end, after you got done loading, they'd give you a, a fresh sausage out of the out of the smokehouse. So I'm, I'm riding down the street eating this sausage on the back of the garbage <laughs> truck, and some lady looks at me and she goes, oh, my God, don't they pay you enough money to, 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 so you can buy food without eating the garbage? <laughs> <laughs> Did you ever run into those scavenger garbage men? Oh, yeah. I used to be one. <laughs> they, yeah. The mooch, well, you know, when things would go up, you would know it as a garbage man. Sometimes uh, metals, copper, brass, whatever. Sometimes newspapers would get yeah. sky high. So I would get there early and make money. I Sometimes I'd make $20, $30 a day extra money by mooching. We called it mooching. You'd yeah. Mooch stuff. Really? You'd mooch bottles. You'd mooch uh, metals. You'd, and in some cases, paper, if it was the price was right. So it was all part of the, part of the job. You know, you a few extra bucks. Everybody right. loves it. Everybody who's ever done it. I used to laugh at, I worked at this old timer. He didn't like the smell and the look of like some garbage. So every time I'd, I'd pour something, hey, look at that, Joe. <laughs> he start puking and choking and stuff. I, I, how could you let work 30 years on a truck and, and, and have a weak stomach? I mean, the last thing you need uh, on, on the back of a garbage truck is a weak stomach. Joe, Joe Cochlin, his name was. Never forget the guy. Joe Cochlin? Cochlin, yeah. He wasn't from South Buffalo, though. He's a okay. good guy. Well, family friend Al Gang. I don't know if you know Al. I don't, but I know Tommy Gang. Yeah, yeah, related... This guy made so much money off 
antiques oh, that sure. people would throw out. Baseball cards, football cards, like yeah. just it's amazing how do, you don't really hear that anymore because it's all toted up and you're not digging through a tote. Right. A lot of those things and are on you top got, or a I box. Mean, if, you, if you still see these guys out there, they're out at three, four in the morning, the night before or the morning before hitting yeah, so And you got, got, they know what they're looking for. And people are more educated uh, as to the value of things. So I think less goes out in the garbage too yeah. in terms of some value. Old grills is what I see these guys grabbing now. Well, you know what? That's interesting that you say that because a friend of mine uh, was saying you should start a grill repair, not me, but someone, a grill repair service. She said, you can't get a grill fixed. Yeah, you, just, you're right. They just There's no place that fixes them. And some of those grills... You know, you get that those Webers and stuff. They're big. They're big bucks. So if you can fix those things, got a business. So what, what, what struck you to write the book? Well, that you know, as I said, uh, uh, I met uh, this uh, woman and uh, regaling her with some of the BS stories here. You know, she said, you know, you ought to write a book about that. You, they're they're great stories. And uh, yeah, yeah. So then she introduced me to a friend of hers. Uh, who had uh, uh, been a uh, editor at a, a local rag down in uh, Rochester? So uh, I don't know if I said this before or not on on, on the air here, but uh, uh, about a year goes by, and this woman calls me up and says, "Hey, I'm gonna I'm ready to help you with the book." So she kind of gave me the impetus to start to uh, to dictate it, and what I did was I just sat down and that came out pretty much. I would. Uh, my my writing style is put it in my head and then it comes right out on paper. I don't do a lot of writing and crossing off and stuff. It, it's developed here and then it comes right out pretty much. I mean, I can I do a little editing and spell checks and stuff like that, but uh, the stories as they're they're written are pretty much straight from the straight from uh, the here to the paper. So and, it, and, and it's a lot of short stories. So I I see a kind of like a coffee table type read. Or well, anybody it, for people who have. Uh, Short attention spans like that we me. talk about. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, people have short no, but attention I, spans. These are all separate. There's 31 in the in in part one of this uh, uh, book. Uh, part two is a day in the life of guardian, or one man's room to the top of the heap will be part two, uh, and and most are two or three page stories. That's it. But uh, you can get in and get out. Uh, you're not stuck uh, uh, going through a whole book to to get to the end. Each story has a, a beginning and a middle and end. So you can entertain yourself and you can hop around. I mean, they are uh, uh, in uh, order in terms of how things rolled out in my life, but it, you know, you're not stuck with that. So you That's can great. jump around. And a good friend of the program, Lisa Marie Redman, she's a oh, big yeah. time uh, writer, many books, right, Marky? How many has she got now? I think six. Yeah, so she's, we'll I've read see. a couple of hers. Oh, good. Yeah, she's yeah, excellent. Great. excellent. So maybe we could hook you guys I, up. You know, know? some, uh, you, uh, you know, Mike Dugan. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's recommended I speak with her. That's in, the actor, right? Yeah. Yeah. In fact, his brother Dixie is uh, a star in three of these stories. His brother Dixie <laughs> was the craziest, funniest son of a bitch in the world. Uh, one of the best stories. And let me tell this to you because it's, it's, it's one that I had designated to talk about. Uh, my good friend, Art J, 6'2", 225, tough, tough, tough. And Dixie Dugan, that's Mike's older brother, he was just crazy, funny, crazy guy. You do all this crazy nonsense. So we're Dixie's a year older than us, and Art was his whipping boy. Whatever practical jokes would be had, uh, Art would be the whipping boy and, and get it. So Dugan talks Art into climbing Lockheed's Tower down on Hancock there in the hill. Yeah, yeah. 
come on, we're going to go up there with a couple six-packs. We'll spray our names and blah, 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 watch the sunset, whatever. Yeah, yeah, great. So the ladder that goes up is a caged ladder. It's got a, a, a cage around it, so if you fall backwards, maybe it's going to catch. I don't know. So they start going up the, the ladder, and Dixie's been up there a dozen times, fearless climber. He gets about halfway up, and he takes off like a banshee, goes right up through the top of the hole. And the hall is about uh, three feet wide. Dixie whips it out and starts pissing on Art. <laughs> halfway up, halfway down. You motherfucker, I'll kill you, Dugan. You prick, you cocksucker. So now Art goes up, and they start going around the top of the tower. There's a, there's a ledge. And the ledge apparently is about six feet wide. It's not as narrow as it looks from the ground. That's what I've heard, yeah. Yeah, it's wider. So now they're going around the top, and Dixie at some point gets down the ladder and runs across the street to one of those houses. Knock, knock, knock. The people that uh, the owner's house to open the door. Yeah, yeah. You gotta let me use your phone. A friend of mine is up on the tower. He's thinking of committing suicide. So Dick, <laughs> Dick, Dixie's father was a cop. He knows the precinct 15 phone number. It was before 911. So he calls precinct 15. You gotta get down here. Guys commit suicide. Blah 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 blah. Hangs up. Now we all hung around the corner of Abbott and Woodside. That was we were the Woodside gang back in the day. And every corner had a payphone. And back in those days, payphones worked in and out. So we all had the phone number yeah. to the payphone on the corner. Oh, yeah. so, so we're all hanging around. It's about 10 or 15 of us. Phone rings. It's Dixie. You guys got to get down here and see this. <laughs> Art's up on the tower. The police are on the way. Come on down. So we run down. To, like, yeah, it's maybe half a mile from Woodside and Abbott to the, to the tower. And it's a scene out of the fucking movies. It's great. Police are there. Fire's there. Spotlights. Megaphone, son, don't jump. Everything will be okay. <laughs> of course, we're on the other side of the uh, of the tower. Go jump, Art. Uh, one and a half. He's one of the swimmers. A one and a half with a one and a half twist. Come on, you can do it, Art. Come on. Now he doesn't want to come down because he thinks he's screwed, yeah. and he's covered with piss, and, <laughs> and, and and he's up against the wall, and the lights are on him, and it. So the next thing you know. A squad car pulls up. Poor Mrs. Jays gets out of the back of the car. They they went and got Mrs. Jays over on Culver and brought her over. They give her the megaphone. Art, please don't jump. I'm sorry I grounded you last weekend. I won't do that again. <laughs> so they, he finally comes down. He finally comes down. They let him go home with his mom. But uh, that was Dixie. And the other Dick, Dixie, uh, just one more quick Dixie story because yeah. he was so good. We, uh, there was a, our airline called People's Express, and it used to run to uh, New York and back, $19 one way. Yeah. 38 round trip. So one Saturday, we all decide we're going to go to New York for the day. Why not? 38 bucks. So it's me, Dixie, it's Art Jays, three or four of my other buddies. We we're all like 22, 24 years old or whatever. So we pile on the plane. And the next thing I know, Dixie's telling the, the stewardesses that we're, the New York Rangers that we that we played the Sabres the night before and we missed the team playing. We've got out all fucked up in, in Buffalo and missed the team playing. Well, I'm Rod Gilbert. He's, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, uh, I forget who else and, and Rod's uh, whatever. And but D Dugan's got all the names of all the players. I don't know how the hell he knew it. But so now he tells we tell the stewardesses, hey, look at what time do you keep flying to? Oh, we're done about six o'clock. We got about four or five more runs. How about meeting us at Rosie O'Grady's down right down in Midtown Manhattan? 
Sure enough, they show up. <laughs> what the fuck? It took them about five minutes to figure out. I guess these assholes aren't New York Rangers. <laughs> Those were the days with no internet. I mean, I remember I was Barry Moore, who was uh, traded for Marrow Shatan back in the day. He was an oiler. I was Barry Moore up at the Sundowner one night. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean... That sucks that now you could Google somebody and be like, ah, you ain't the fucking Rangers, you know? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you're right, you're right. Yeah. You couldn't get away with right. that shit. There's no fun anymore. Rosie O'Grady's. I've been there. Yeah. Uh, Mike Fitz, that were tr- little Mike Fitz, yep. that were trying to get on the show. Uh, yeah. Takes great he's, care. He's back in Buffalo, somebody said. Yeah, I heard. Right. I heard. Yeah, so. Yeah. Well, things aren't going so great there, so. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, New York is tough. tough. Yeah. Oh. Bring all our good people back. Why not? Yeah. yeah, boy, a lot of people come back. Yeah. Their jobs are you, gone. You said Lockheed's Hill. Lockheed's why, Tower. I don't know yeah, why, why they call it, because I was you, trying to think of that myself. Yeah. Lockheed's Tower. Lockheed's people Hill. always call it Lockheed's Hill, and then some people call it Hancock Hill. Yeah. It was always Lockheed's Hill to us kids. Yeah. For no apparent reason. For either, no right? apparent reason. I mean, we'll have to, you're going to have to find somebody older than me. To, to, that I can't that believe answer. that. I can't believe <laughs> that it goes further than that. I mean, and then you look at another thing, and we'll talk locally. Uh, Used to say Morgan Park. Yeah. It's not Morgan Park. It's got some other name on it. Now. Yeah. Were you saying that you saw it? Yeah, they got a they got a sign. Yeah, there's it, another it's name. It's not Morgan Park. Brian Higgins Park. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's not that. It's something more uh, Yeah, you know what? Now that you mentioned that, I think there's I, a sign I, right on McKinley. Right McKinley there. So, yeah. It seemed like it's smarter than it is. Yeah. It's Morgan it's just Park Morgan. works good enough. Yeah, it's yeah. Right. Morgan. Don't change things up now. It's been Morgan <laughs> oh, Park. For I hate when they change years. things. I mean, yeah. you know, you're gonna see a lot of street names change soon. But I mean Warren Spawn, I like that one. I I like that one. Yeah. Yeah. Spawn and Pain. That was the last thing Jimmy Griffin did, you know that? Was what? When he was the councilman, it was the last thing that he ever did politically. He named it Warren Span. Oh, my Parkway. mother hated that. She, you know why? She said, he, he left at Buffalo and never came back after he graduated from South Park. Screw him. My mother had no patience. I've heard that, too. Yeah. Like, they say he's the best. Course, my mother was a hater all over the place. She, <laughs> you know what? She, she hated Danny Boy. Hey, I hate that song. It's a maudlin piece of crap. I don't know about well, so, the Irish song. Yeah, that Danny boy. Yeah, she yeah, hated yeah. it. So when she was she was in hospice for a while. So I used to say, you know, I'm going to play that Danny boy at your wake, at your funeral. You better not. What are you going to do about it? <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you a quick story about my mother and, and hospice. She ended up setting the record. 14 months. She had COPD, not cancer. So she just kept going and going. And going. I yeah. used to go in and tap my 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 wrist with my watch. Mom, how long do I have to keep this up? You know, come on. They said a couple months, and here you are. It's a year later. Anyway, she turns 83 when uh, she's out there, and me and my sister decide to have a birthday party. I said, well, I'll take care of the food and everything. I had the restaurant in East Aurora at the time. So, and I said, Mom, I'm going to get the cake, too. I got just the cake. Oh, that's wonderful, Tommy. So... Now she's shrinking. She's getting smaller by the by the day, you know. She's got the oxygen and stuff. Yeah. So, anyways, we invite a bunch of people that are there, uh, that uh, their family are there. They're they're one of the patients, and then aunts and cousins and whatever. So about 25, 30 people. Food's all done. Tommy, do you have my cake? Well, I sure do, Mom. Right here. It's a big chocolate cake. Oh, Tommy, what kind of cake is that? It's called Death by Chocolate, Mom. Enjoy <laughs> that goddamn thing. <laughs> so now, no, so it was almost Death by Chocolate because now she starts laughing and she can't catch her breath. Oh, she Jesus. almost died right on the spot. <laughs> Mom, no, it's not Death by Chocolate. No, hey, another piece. <laughs> I'm with you. <laughs> oh, and, and, you know, talk about traveling the country uh, with CSEA. With the union job, uh, 
you running into anybody going, I'm from South Buffalo too, because that happens a lot. Uh, you know, in in uh, New York City, uh, I ran into a couple folks from uh, from Buffalo, uh, South Buffalo, in fact, Mike Donovan, uh, who uh, had left South Buffalo uh, some years ago, was an artist, and uh, he ended up working for me down in Long Island. One of the funny stories, though, about uh, so I'm the director of organizing for CSE8. Got about 25, 30 people that work for me, and uh, we're having a big campaign in Long Island. 22,000 workers up for grabs. So the president of the union says, Tommy, go down there. Don't come back. I don't care how long it takes or how long, but we need these members. Okay, so I go down, and I put together a budget. Now, the house we rented was a beautiful, it was like a half a mansion, and it was on the, one of the intercoastals. had a dock and a deck. So I'm looking, dock and deck, huh? Maybe a boat. Aha, I know how to get a boat. CSEA represents the Nassau County lifeguards, all those beaches <laughs> up and down Long Island, right? So I put it in the budget. Well, the executive director, he didn't quite read the budget real well. He, <laughs> he signed, signed the it. thing. I bought the goddamn boat. So, now, <laughs> so now, now the campaign ends and we're closing the office and we got to get rid of the furniture and you know, shut the phones off and send everybody back. And So I called the executive director. Like, hey, Frank, yeah, Tommy, what do you want me to do with the boat? The boat? What do you mean the boat? The boat, you know, the boat you, that you signed for me to buy. What the fuck are you talking about? I said, well, you, I, you, I said, you signed the budget. So, I, you, did, you son of a bitch. I, you did, I, I, he says, I don't give a shit if you take it out in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean and sink it. I never want to hear about the boat again. I <laughs> <laughs> didn't know about it? He didn't know about it the whole time. He read the fine print, huh? How long I, I, did he have the boat that he didn't know about it? Well, see, we're down in Long Island. Headquarters is up in Albany. So he would come in oh and out. And he'd stop by and, you know, and we'd, he'd stay at the hotel or something. He didn't, and if there was a boat at a dock, you know, it was a big joint. He didn't know whose boat it was. I never said, oh, how do you like your boat, Frank? I just let it go there. So we had a ball. We, had a we ball. always talk about that. Uh, you always know you get spotted at another major city mm. if you got your money on the bar. Oh, yes. That's a very big trait. Yeah. Money on the bar, Buffalo. Yeah. I've, I've had people say, you're from Buffalo? Yeah, with money on the bar. That's happened a lot. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's great. It, it, it's kind of like a, a feather in the cap. Like, right. Well, we <laughs> we trust everybody. That's why we do it. I yeah, mean, right. Well, you go out of town, you say, well, I'm not... I guess well, we'll so, roll around if you want to take it. No one would dare lift someone else's money off the bar in South Buffalo. Because no. you'd get your ass whipped. Right. I mean, one time. And then, of course, if you ever did that, you could never go back in a bar. Right. Your, your reputation You're paying for would life. be ruined for yeah. life. Your Especially as a bar, bartender. It's like, I know I put your, your money in front sure. of you. Sure. Oh, it's yeah. Like, I put it yeah. there. Yeah. Like, Absolutely. We used to, it, we like used Andy Garcia said, you can turn your back on a guy from Buffalo. Yeah. He told <laughs> he us that. that? Yeah. 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 I I, I know this person who. That's they were a thief. They were stealing all, and I yeah. would call around. Don't let so and so know. Right, boy, he whittled away to nothing, and he did it to himself by taking money off the right. Bar. right. You know what I mean? Yeah, he yeah, yeah, just yeah, yeah, yeah. Ask for a beer. I want a bottle of one. For a beer, can I borrow the fin? I'll pay you back yeah, next. Yeah, next never. <laughs> I mean, the difference between a disco and then you get into East Aurora. I mean, East Aurora is a long way from home, Tommy. How did you know it? that was quite the uh, the, the experience in that. Uh, People were amazed that I was able to go out there and get accepted and in terms of the council approved the, 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 uh, the construction. And um, what happened was uh, I, I found a, a, a place that I wanted. It was on Main Street. It was an ice cream parlor. 
And uh, I needed to get a bar in there, bar coolers and all the bar stuff because there was none of that there. So I knew from living in Buffalo that there was a lot of old Polish bars sitting on the east side, boarded up. They're there, but you don't know them. So I started driving around the east side of Buffalo, and I found this bar closed up, boarded up at the corner of Clinton Smith. It was called Big Al's Bar and Grill, Big Al Volinsky. So I find the owner, I get a hold of him, and I walk in the place, and there it is, 35-foot mahogany bar. Wow. Starting to get mildew and moldy. The matching coolers, the matching kick plates, the back the back bar, all matching. I bought the whole thing for 3000 bucks. Wow. The whole thing. It, it, it had to be rehabbed and fixed and, yeah. and, and sanded and you know uh, uh, all that, but... I put it in out there, and it looked like it had been there for 50, 70 years because it was a 30s, 30s era bar. Wow. It was beautiful, just beautiful. So, And what's the difference between the disco and now you get into well, this? Well, this was this. Did is, you just whoa. get the itch this again? Is, was it just the itch to own a place? Did you always want well, to do I, it again? Well, I, I wanted to bridge. See, I retired at 55 from the union business. And uh, I'm 55, I still feel young. I'd been in the bar business before, you know, the, the disco. And, but I had also worked uh, at the Holiday Inn in the, in the restaurant area, banquet area. So I knew, I knew the restaurant business. And I'm going, you know, I want to bridge 55 to 62 till, till Social Security comes available. And, yeah, I don't want to be bored. But I was, I was done being a union organizer. I spent 25 years on the road. I mean, I was all over the country. Uh, I was out in Seattle. There's no debauchery of... involved in that, like the garbage business, apparently. Oh, <laughs> the union business can be filled with Oh, debauchery. really? Well, oh, I, well, all right. Well, as we used to say about CSEA, pound for pound, we're the best around. <laughs> Some of those public employees are a little bigger. But uh, I, uh, when I went out there, I knew I had to have a restaurant. I wanted to have a grill, an open grill, a, a fire grill. And mm-hmm. uh, obviously the beer phenomena was just starting because this was 2006. <laughs> so uh, uh, I went out there and uh, having had a lot of experience with public employees representing them for 25 years, I know how to treat yeah. people. So my first move was, where's the building inspector? Mm-hmm. Sit there, what do I have to do? How high do I have to jump? So, okay, here's the blah, 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 here's what you have to do. So every two weeks I'd go get the building inspector. Come on down, stop by. Is this okay? Is that okay? Is this okay? Did I do that right? Is that and you kiss their ass because they can make you know life how miserable. Works. Yeah. Or they can make life nice and easy. And of course I just was good to the guy. Politician by nature. By nature. Yeah. And then so when it came to the certificate of occupancy, he just walked in and handed it to me. I said, Aren't you gonna do a final inspection? Tommy, I was here every two weeks for the last three months. <laughs> <laughs> I know what you got done. I here's the here's the uh, acceptance thing. But I'll tell you interestingly, so with all the beers the bottled beers, I had on a 20-some different bottled beers and trying to get them to the right cases to go to the right distributor and stuff. Mm-hmm. Pain in the ass. And in fact, it was costing me as much money to pay some schlep to, to sort them out than it was to get that I got the money. So I go, you know what? I'm going to see if somebody will take these as donations. I can write it off. So I find the Boys and Girls Clubs. Wow. And the Boys and Girls Club East Aurora is, is it. Every single kid goes to the Boys and Girls Club. It's like the place in East Aurora. It's a big, big deal. You're right, big deal. yeah. So anyways, I, I, I said, hey, look, every two weeks come by and get the beer, beer bottles. Cash them in. The money's yours. Just tell me how much so I can write it off. No problem. So about two years go by. So now they, the, the executive board comes in and the, the, the president, uh, Tommy, we got to talk. Now, we got to talk to me means one thing. 
I'm fucked. Because that's what my that's what my wife used to say to me. Tommy, we gotta talk. Oh shit, now what did I do? Oh man, I'm screwed. So I'm thinking, oh crap, the boys and girls, what did I do? Because of your contributions, we made you the person of the year. <laughs> I'm the person of the year at East Aurora. Can you believe it? So now this is funny though. So as I'm standing up there getting the award, the place at big dinner, d- dinner dance and stuff, and I'm getting the award and I'm looking at the crowd. I got the suit on. I've gotten the pictures taken. I'm thinking, where do they find out what I'm really like? Don't want this thing back. <laughs> I wrapped $136 one day at the pool. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't even know what I gave you back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, when do they find out what I'm really like? Yeah. <laughs> and, and then you got so many, the TV bill, the work. Oh, God, calm. yeah. Pain in like, the people ass. don't understand. The easy part's bartending, right? Yeah. That's fun. Yeah. That's the best part. Uh, dealing with the customers, all the rest of like. Yeah, see, like, in, and I think in our era of being in a bar, the beers really did save you because the yeah. Sabres and the Bills were not. Right, right, right. We had a no. playoff game one year. That you, was the, if you started in 2006, six. when did you go to? Uh, 2013. So you had 08 Sabres. Timmy yeah. Kennedy was on was the squad. It, we lost to Boston in the playoffs. That was yeah. the last. That was, that was it. it. Yeah. yeah. I didn't count on sports. No, the, you couldn't. And the you bills couldn't. would really be couldn't. a mix and match. It was like a joke. Everyone would just get yeah. shit-faced and laugh. Like, yeah, well, we thought well, we know, had I, a chance. I did the, uh, sponsored a lot of the baseball teams. Yeah. Hockey, oh, yeah. Hockey oh, was yeah. big out 100%. there. So we sponsored the youth hockey and a, an adult hockey team. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, that's, that's – You, you know, did Taylor, what you had to do. Taylor made uh, a business. They, they show up. In fact, the guy – I know you probably read this recently. It's in a strange story. It was just in – uh, a Buffalo office police, retired Buffalo police officer, got busted trying to get a car out of the impound. Did you read that? I know nothing. Big, big Z. <laughs> he was, he was in my restaurant all the time. His son played on my championship baseball team. He's just as a coach. Great guy. Great guy. I, great guy. I coached. Guy. I coached the kid. Oh, did you? Okay. Yeah. Uh, I forget his name. We just called Big Z. You know. Yeah. Big kid Z. was a great guy. Yeah. Great family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great family. Great yeah. guy. He was assistant coach. The kid, they, I think they were 10, 12, maybe. Or t- 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 but I got I, st- I got the trophy at home on my uh, mantle with all the kids' names and Big Z and all that. I felt bad. They'll be falling out guilty. Don't worry about yeah, it. Yeah, I feel bad about that. Yeah, I mean, and you know, the other thing is we had a kid. You, They started doing the plants. They're going to they're gonna send in a kid. Yeah. Got in trouble with a possession charge. Yeah, that was big, big. in the uh, like 2010 era. Well, we we got the tip that we knew knew okay. about. Okay, right. Next thing you know, everybody in the neighborhood wants to kick this kid's ass because he's he's going around trying to screw the self up full of bars. So we actually okay. saved his ass. Right, right, right. What a well, that's a piece of shit move. Oh, well, yeah, you you know you get you get put under the lights. You yeah. do what you got to yeah. do. Yeah. You know. You know, I, I we kind of skipped around a little bit, but uh, my parents were funny people. You know, oh yeah, the, the yeah. way they raised me, they would laugh at me. They never, they, I, my mother would hit me once in a while. I think my father nailed me once in my whole life. Other than that, they would laugh at me and make me do shit. <laughs> you know, they, oh, they, yeah, great, you screwed up. Wash the dishes, do it. And then as I got older, I had to do my father's stuff. And uh, but they would do it with a with a sense of humor. So one day, this is a classic. Sixteen years old. I got the Barracuda jacket. Oh, yeah. And uh, I bought an ounce of pot. So the ounce of pot's in the Barracuda jacket. I decide I'm going to wear another jacket to school that day, South Park. 
So I got home every night about six o'clock, six thirty, because I I played sports, three sports. So I didn't get home till after practice. So this one now it would happen either one of two ways. I'd get home and either there'd be a in the fridge a cold something or other or in the oven being staying warm, warm something there, and I'd eat by myself. Yeah, no big deal, you know, six six thirty. So this one night I'd get home six thirty. There's the whole kitchen table done up with the with the linen in my mother's china fine china it was from Loblaws. but anyway <laughs> it was it was her it was her thanksgiving ship and my sister's sitting in her I, we adopted a, a, a little girl so i'm about 16 she's like two at the time and that, all the dishes the covered serving dishes and all this shit and i'm going Tommy, this is my mother. Tommy, you know, you've been such a good kid. You work so hard. You're going to school. You're taking all these sports. You don't get up to 6 30. We fixed your favorite dinner. Sit right there. Beck, sit in your father's seat. Uh-oh. Uh, so, right. Uh-oh. As soon as <laughs> the hair in the back of my neck starts, uh, sit in your father's seat. No one sits in your father's seat, right? Mm-hmm. That's, your, that's your father's seat. You never get. So I sit down, and they slide this covered dish across to me. There you go, your favorite dish. I pick it up. I look. <laughs> I look at my mother, look at my father, I slam the cover back down. It's the ounce of pot. <laughs> the ounce of pot was spread out like, like on a serving tray. <laughs> but, but, I mean, that's how nuts they were. My mother thought that she set the table. She got the linen up. She got the covered dishes. She set the whole thing up just so they could bust my balls. Brutal. Well, it was entertainment for them. Oh, yes. Yeah. I, was in, I was entertainment for them. I got a great story for you. This is really a funny story. So... On Tuscarora, we moved, uh, to, uh, when I graduated, we moved to Tuscarora Road. You turned into a squeak? I was a squeak always. I yeah. was always <laughs> but anyways, anyways, so the house ne- the, our house and the house next door were white, and they were similar in design and look. And we had a portico over the driveway, side entrance, beautiful home. The house next door was a double, but still side entrance and white and this. So I'm about 16 years old. And I'm, it's a, I don't know, Friday night maybe. My mother goes up to bed, and she could sleep through a hurricane, earthquake. Didn't make any difference. So I'm kind of sitting on the, the chair, and I fall asleep. Next thing you know, about one in the morning, doors knock, 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 and I wake up. I open the door. There's a woman next door. Uh, Tommy, uh, your father, and there's been a snowstorm, by the way, like mm-hmm. about a foot and a half of snow. Tommy, your dad, uh, he, he pulled in our driveway and he tried to get in our house. He's, he's, he's on the front, he's in our front room on the chair sleeping. Oh, you mean passed out, do you? <laughs> so, so now I got to go get the old man. That's a snowstorm. Hey, you son of a bitch. God damn it. I drag his ass over. I plop him in the chair. Now I got two problems. He, he went all daddy when we adopted this little girl and he got the big, station wagon the woodside you know the 19 passenger ford whatever the fuck esquire so i gotta dig their driveway out and i gotta drag our driveway out to move the car so the car goes and so now i got him i got the sword of damocles hanging over my old man's head it's got to be the worst fucking feeling in the world for a father to have your son because i'm not gonna say a word to my mother sure i got you dad i don't say a word to him either but he knows i know he knows i know Yeah, we, we both know this deal. Oh, man. So I'm cruising. I'm thinking, I'm saving this one. This is the ace in the hole. That's the t- yeah. title of the chapter, by the way, the ace, ace in the hole. <laughs> That's my ace in the hole. So somewhere along the line during the course of the summer that come along, I fucked up. I get grounded. <laughs> I get grounded. So I had a porch off to my back bedroom. There's a little porch, about a, like a six by four, three 
porch or whatever. Well, you can't keep me back. I'm going out drinking with my friends. Down the downspout I go, and off I go. Cass Park, Stone Bridge, get drunk. Come back about 1 in the morning. And this is like right out of a fucking Hollywood movie. It's unbelievable. I start climbing up the downspout. It starts to break away. Oh, yeah. And it goes click, click. And now I start reaching for the, for the bars on the, on, the, on, the, on the porch, and I can't get them. And it just goes slow motion. Back, 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 back. And down I go. Wham! Down to the, and I, I knocks the wind out of me. I'm on the ground holding the, holding the downspout. Now, as I was falling, it tripped the lights. The whole backyard lights up. And I'm down like I'm on the ground going, <gasps> <laughs> trying to trying to catch my breath. Out comes my old man. He walks over, he looks down at me, he takes a look. We're even. <laughs> he walks back in the house. Yeah. He, he didn't say, Did you break your neck? Are you okay? Did you break? Are you numb? He looks at we're even. Back to the house he went. Beautiful. Thanks, Dad. I those, wasted that. Those are, yeah, yeah. I exactly. Wasted, I kind of had a better just day. when you think you got him. I you fuck you oh, fuck it man, up. And, I gave it away for nothing. And the, it's like it even trade. The ace in a hole yeah. got used up for nothing. It always happens. <laughs> it, it, even like I'm, we're married now. We're you know. Yeah. Oh my god, <laughs> you, it's the same thing. What yeah. have you done for me lately? Right, yeah. right, right. <laughs> like I got today. What did you do all day? Mm-hmm. I did some stuff. Oh boy, yeah, I did some stuff. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I was busy. <laughs> huh. When I got married, my second marriage, so I got my wife the Yellow Pages. She goes, what? what what's, what's this thing with the Yellow Pages? I go, see that book right there? Every guy you ever need is right there. The carpenter guy, the electric guy, the, the, the plumber guy. Don't ever ask me to do any fucking thing around this house because I don't do it. I don't yeah. know shit. I don't know yeah. which way the hammer works. <laughs> I'm the same way. So there's, the, there's, your, there's your marriage saver right there. There's your Yellow oh, Pages. Oh, you're right about that. <laughs> well... Part one, yes, a day in the life of a garbage man, and this is going to be a good read. I like the the, the fact that it's uh, short stories, very easy. Boom, boom, booms. You're you're a great yeah. storyteller. I, I can't imagine how the book is. And then we're gonna have part two, and we're gonna do everything that we can to get you hooked. So up what do you what are you looking for? Tell us what you're looking for. I'm looking for somebody to to, to publish the thing. I, I I dealt with one publisher, and they wanted me to pay. I go. I wrote this to make money. I didn't write it to, to pay you to fucking <laughs> yeah, right. publish my book. I, that was not my, my view of life. Uh, Steve Banco gave me a publisher's name, a uh, uh, local guy, and I have not contacted him. Uh, but any way you can help me, I'd be much oh, yeah. appreciated. Uh, yeah. That'd be great. And I'm hoping this will uh, maybe get out there and, and have a few people listen to it. This maybe is somebody, great. Uh, somebody will pay attention and be interested in the book. Those stories a, are great. You know? there's, and right. there's a lot of them. There's a lot more than what I told you, although we went through probably 10 or 15. Well, we want people to buy the book when it comes out. Right. That's yeah, why so we, we can't, can't give them, them all everything. away. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. I got yeah. to gotta hold a few back. But I mean, yeah. th- this was one of our storytelling episodes, which, which yeah, was great. great. I told Marky this is going to be an easy one, and it was. Uh, Thank you, guys. I appreciate yeah, it very absolutely. much. Uh, we do this at the end. Tom Mullen. You are now licensed to talk. All right. Yes, and I and and you know what? I think I've been doing a lot of driving without a license these days. I mean, as Louis Mistello said, I I, I I tend to talk a bit. Oh, it was great, and, and we'll definitely have you back on. They're they're all humorous stories. There's there's nothing in here modeling or. Right. Or, uh, there's no great lessons to be learned in this book <laughs> outside of don't get caught. Paulo Cello. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, it, it 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 was fun, 
it was fun to relive a lot of this stuff oh, as, I I was, as, as I was uh, 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 relating the stories to myself. And uh, I found uh, it, my writing, uh, I've, I've always been a very good writer. Uh, I've written a lot of speeches, given a lot of public uh, speaking uh, engagements when I was with the unions and stuff. So uh, I found it to be an easy style for me in terms of writing because uh, it comes right out. I'll sit there and I'll talk, I'll think about these things for three or four days or whatever. Yeah. And it'll just be, you know, rolling around in my mind. And when I got, and then I, then I go, I got it. And I'll just sit down with my phone and just dictate the thing. Oh, yeah. that's good. The yeah. more you it tell a right story, it's, it, I'm just told they're crafted. I just tell a story into the, to the phone. I mean, yeah, uh, there's great. more detailed. I mean, I've given you guys the, the verbal look. I mean, there's, sure. there's, there's some background and fill in stuff to, to get you appreciating the, uh, my son did some of the title work and he, what did he put in about the, call me the judo, the judo altar boy. <laughs> one, one, one day I'm an altar boy at St. Teresa's. You know how they used to put the, the thing under your, your jaw there? So it, Without, when they gave you the communion, it didn't fall on the, yeah, on the ground. Yeah, yeah. That was before when they put it on the tongue. So, nine o'clock mass at St. Teresa's was the, the the kids' mass. The whole school had to be there. The nuns would take attendance and stuff. So, I got the the the, the, the patent, I think they called it, with a handle, and I'm doing my one friend. And he opens his mouth and sticks his tongue out, and I give him a judo chop right in the Adam's apple with that <laughs> with that metal plate. So his mouth shot right up, and the the, the host fell on the thing, the 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 the, uh, commu uh, the, the, the communion. Uh, the priest went nuts. Get off that! Get off that! And threw me off the altar and stuff. But I had a, I couldn't resist. He's like, open mouth, bam! I gave him the chop right in the right in the Adam's apple. Down it went. Well, well th thank you, gentlemen. It's been yeah, a great, great we, pleasure. We love archiving these stories, and uh, what an entertaining guest you've been. Uh, thanks. Thanks a lot, Tommy. Yeah. Appreciate it, guys. The gift of gab. Wonderful. Yeah. Love it. South Buffalo.